You know, um, it is it is it's comforting. You can sit down. It's comforting to hear <clears throat> a voice of faith uh, coming from somebody. And when I say the voice of faith, the voice of faith is not just expressed in your words. It's in you can feel it in here. And so, uh, you know, when when he started talking, I can hear the voice of the voice of faith coming out of there. And faith is different. Faith is substance. Right. That's what the Bible say. Faith is substance. It's not just words. It's substance. Have you ever encountered something? You say, I can't really understand what's going on or what it is. I just know it's something. You've encountered that. If you come across some person and you say, you got something. He got something. They got something to just make you want to be around. That's substance. You can't explain it, but you know, hey, I need it. Right? I need the substance of whatever's going on inside of the person. I need that. Amen? And so that's the substance of faith that you hear. You hear something clicking. Something's turning. Something's challenging. There's some confidence. There's some experience that you can hear in his voice that he's been through some things with God. And it makes all the difference in the world. The Bible says to consider the, uh, the people who lead us to consider the end of their lives. That's what it say. Meaning that look at not only what they say, but where they have showed up at. Right? Consider the end of their life. Not when they die, but consider what's coming from what they're doing and consider what's coming from what they're saying. Right? Do they have, the Bible says you tell a tree by its fruit. Not just about the conversation, but about the actions. Oftentimes a person's faith is demonstrated in what they do, not in what they say. You have some people that are very quiet, but, but they, but they're very full of action. They go about the business of doing what they're supposed to do. And in church, I tell you, a lot of times we hear different things and we honor the preacher and certain things sound good, but we're short on faith and we're much longer on talk in church. And talk should take you to the place of doing, not just you, you, you at a place of talking and never arrive at doing, right? Talk should get you. You should talk yourself. Into doing what God says in the word. I was talking to Pastor Ben one time and he brought it up the other day and I said, uh, uh, I said, Pastor Ben, you got to the place where you've learned certain things. And I said, at this point, if you don't do those things, you'll never be able to preach about those things again. Right. Depending on the kind of now some people, that's the kind of person that he is. Some people are perfectly fine talking about things that they'll never do for the rest of their life. They're perfectly fine selling you something that they themselves will never do. Right. But but there's a difference when you encounter somebody who talks it and who walks it. Amen. And this is what this is God's intent. Jesus never walked, never talked about something that he didn't walk. Amen. And so um, that, that, that's, that's awesome. That's substance. I want to talk about something later, not this morning, this morning, keeping the, in the place of miracles. But I was here and uh, Pastor Lord and I were in here last night. And I, I found two of my old tablets, and one of them was from uh, October the 19th, 2016. That was Ezra's birthday uh, two years ago. And I looked at that tablet, and I said, I'm throwing this tablet in the trash. <clears throat> because it had plans on the tablet, and all of the plans were of no substance. <clears throat> and I had a second tablet next to it, and that's at the point that God started talking to me. And so these things that God started talking to me, I can see them. I'm, I'm late. They exist. They're in existence. Two years later, they're here and they're alive. They're, they're like the, the grandbaby. <laughs> Feed me. You know, the other stuff is just trash. Right. Uh, babysitting trash. So I threw that. The only place for it was to go in the trash. All right. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> one of those things that 
I was reading some notes that I had taken uh, from, it was two different people. One of them was T.D. Jakes, and I think Lenny sent me the message. And uh, T.D. Jakes was talking about the need for capacity and how a need only, a need is not really a need. What it is, is the, uh, it's the doorway uh, to a, another dimension of God's ability to bless you. So if you got a need, it's not really a need. God is a God who feels capacity. He, he, he puts stuff in places that are empty. And one of the things that he was saying was that even in the beginning, the Bible says that the earth was without form and it was void. And so God, what did God do with something that, that was void? He filled it up. Amen. So that's what God does. When you got a need, he comes in and he fills a need. The Bible says that God hates a proud look. So when you say that you don't, you got everything you need and I don't need God for nothing, that means God can't work. Amen. So when you announce to God, I have a need, I need this, then you got God say, I'm a, I'm a need meeting type of God. Let's go to work. You hear a lot of times I say I live out of God's pockets and not mine. Second notes that I wrote, and these were both coming to me at the same time, Dr. Leroy Thompson was talking about divine substance. Divine substance. And he was, he said that, that you can never run out of divine substance. But people don't understand that substance can be divine. Again, we talk about substance. What is substance? The Bible says faith is substance. It's not nothing. It's substance. It says the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That means if you don't have no substance, you're never going to see what it is that you want. You have to have some substance to trade with God in order to get what you want. So God has divine substance to be able to produce whatever it is that we need in our life. So how does God fill up the capacity or the empty spaces in your life? He fills up the empty spaces in your life through divine substance, which he will never run out of. Amen. Why are we talking about divine substance? Because in life, a lot of times, and this is good for couples, what do couples, one of the main things couples fight about? They fight about money. They fight about being able to pay the bills. That's one thing. Right? That's one of the biggest things. And so we, we need to get to a place that we understand that we don't have to fight each other about money, that God has divine substance that he'll never run out of, and that as long as God has divine substance he'll never run out of, we don't ever have to run out. And they write, right. We don't ever have to run out. Right? He always has something for you. He always has a, a way to meet your need. But if you don't uh, put yourself in a position to believe it, and let me tell you something. We, we like to get comfortable where belief is concerned. Right? We want to find, we always want to get comfortable. When we go in the house, we want to find a spot where we got a favorite spot in the ca- on the couch where we want to sit because what? We want to get comfortable. Right, that's the way we are. We know when we driving somewhere, we wanna we wanna know how to get there, and you know I go this way and this and that and the other. This is how I do it. Matter of fact, in my wife's car, she's got a button that you can push. You set the seats and the steering wheel in a certain place, and it got a number one and a number two. And so when I'm driving, I hit one button and it moves the seat where I want it, make me comfortable. And she driving, move the seat and hit it where she wanted, and make her comfortable. Right? We want to be comfortable. We don't want to get out of comfort zones. But the thing about it is that, that your comfort zone can actually be stopping you from God's best. Your place of comfort can be stopping you from God's best. I sat in and I had an emotional time here this morning. And God, God ministered to me this morning while I'm sitting there and I'm going over my notes and I'm reading the scriptures and I'm listening to the worship. I'm multitasking spiritually this morning, right? So I'm going over all of these things and God began to remind me. He said, listen, he said, self-preservation is not what it's about. He said, what did I tell you to do? What did I call you to do? I said, God, you called me to reach people. 
He said, he said, that means that empty every pocket you got, empty every resource that you have, or you will never be happy. He said, if you don't do everything you got, including loving not your life to death, don't be concerned about how tired that it makes you. Don't be concerned about how much money it costs. He said, you will never be happy until you do what I ask you to do. And I'm just sitting there and it felt so good to be reminded, Doc. It felt so good to be reminded. And so uh, in our case, let me tell you what I see a lot of times uh, in church with a lot of people is, We're coming to church, and I thought I was going to stop saying that when I was a little kid. I think in Cross Church, we're doing better. Praise God. Cross Church, we're doing better. But a lot of times, people, they come to church, and you leave behind what you got in church. When you go home, you don't take it with you. Right? That's not what this is about. Come in here and say, we had good church, and go home, and, and, and not, you know, it's not that you're going home and living like a sinner, but you go home, and you forget about all the power that we went over in here. You forget about the substance that you felt while Doc was doing the confessions. You forget about the substance that you felt while the worship was going on. You forget about the substance from the word of God that was preached by somebody. You leave that here in the church. And as a result of that, we can't get to places of victory where God wants us to be. You know something that the only thing that we are limited by is the space between our two ears, our mind. That's the only limitation that we got. And the Bible says this, so as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever I'm conscious of is where my limits are. Whatever I'm conscious of is where my limits are. If I if I feel like I'm supposed to live to this degree, that's the limit that I'm going to live. Right? That's as far as I'm going to go with it. If I feel like I'm supposed that's why you have some people you say, well, they, you know, these people, they, 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 again, I'm using financial examples. That's one of the number one battles. And, and you know, people, it's not about finance all the time. It's not about finance all the time. Listen, let me tell you something. You, you know, how many times you get upset with what you can't do and how you can't fix the car? How many times you're tired of, of folks getting a payday loan to fix the car when they break down? Come on. Come on. Come on. Y'all better be honest with me in here. Uh, you got to call a relative to borrow the money to fix the car. Come on, man. Come on. The motor that went out in the car, they want $900, $2,000 to fix the car. I ain't got it. I got the car somewhere. How many tired of that? Yeah. You, you want to have a little bit in the bank or whatever. Let's go ahead and write the check and pay for the, get the, get a new motor in the car. You know, another this car leaning on his last leg. You know, the thing, I, I done put three sets of shocks and it's still leaning back like this. You know, and, and I can't do nothing about it. It's time to get another one. Right? But you can't do nothing. You got to, you know, sit around, hope, wish, and thank. Listen, no, you can do something because God got divine substance that he'll never run out of. But the only reason you're not experiencing it is because you won't believe it. And so therefore, we short on everything. Let me tell you something. Now, God tells us, he says, bring a tenth of your increase into the storehouse. Bring a tenth of your increase into the storehouse. So let me tell you something. Why does it benefit the kingdom of God for you to do well because God never asked you for all of your money. He just asked you for a percentage. And so listen, understand if it's percentage based, if I, if I invented a cookie or started a cookie business and I sell it off to a cookie distributor and they tell me that, you know, uh, that my, the deal I make with them is that I get 7% in perpetuity as long as they're selling cookies. Right? I want them to sell a whole bunch of cookies because as they sell the cookies, my 7%, the amount of, the actual amount goes up on my cookies. Right? If you sell $100 worth of cookies, I get $7. Is that right? You sell $1,000 worth of cookies, I get $70, right? 
And so this God understands that God wants you to do well. And as you do well, the kingdom does well. Right. Because God said the portion of the uh, of, of what you do goes back into the kingdom. Right. And, and uh, consequently, that's why some of us don't do well. Right. Because we don't give that percentage into the kingdom. And remember what we said last week. You say, well, hey, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. I'll be faithful if God do this, that. You know, God said you're not going to be faithful if I do it because you're not faithful right now. Amen. There's a scripture that I didn't read last week. And it bears, we need to read it today on the, on the subject of faithfulness. And I'm going to get to my message in a minute, but I'm on a roll right now. <clears throat> Just keep going. I blame Doc. He started the whole thing. <clears throat> Let me see. Yeah, here we go. Give me a second here. We're coming to it. It's in the book of Luke. Right, here we go. It's Luke chapter 16, verse 10 through 12. Luke 16, 10 through 12. 16, 10 through 12. And it starts out by saying this. He says, he who is faithful in a very little thing, and I'm reading the Amplified Classic Version. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is dishonest and unjust, unjust also in much. Right? I mean, this is not me, part of my speech. I'm just reading the Bible. Right? So he says, uh, again, he who is faithful in very little, a very little thing is uh, faithful also in the much. And he who is dishonest and unjust in a very little thing is also dishonest uh, and unjust in the much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the uh, in case of the unrighteous mammon, right, deceitful riches, money, possessions, who will entrust you with the riches? So here God is talking about being faithful in your money. He says, now, now, now watch what he says here. He says, if you can't be faithful with money, which he calls a little thing, did you catch that? Right? If, if I have not been faithful in the case of unrighteous man with deceitful riches, riches, who will entrust you in the true riches? So by saying true riches, he's calling that, this, this ain't really nothing. The money ain't really nothing. He says, you can't be faithful with money, I can't be, what's the true riches he's talking about? The true riches he's talking about is the power of God. I can't give you no power if you can't, if you can't act right with the money. Because the power, what did I tell you? The power has the ability to produce more money. Right? And how you act with $10 is going to tell me how you act with $100. Right? You can see that with a little kid. You get a little kid $10 and they go to the store, to the store and, uh, and lose the $10 every time you give them, you know, $10. You're not going to give them $100, you know, a, a 10, $10 bill and say if you lose one, you got nine more. You're not going to do that. What you're going to do is you're going to give the money to the brother or sister and say, listen, uh, such and such can't handle his money. <laughs> Right, so therefore you pay for his stuff and and, and to make sure he got something to eat because he can't handle it. You know, that's what that's what you're gonna do, right? Now let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Talking about faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. We don't like. We like the sound of faithfulness, but we really don't want to do the work of faithfulness. But watch something powerful here. He says, "I got this in red. I, I, I want to make sure I remember it." 
Watch this. He says, and if you have not proved faithful in that which belongs to another. Oh, watch this. Watch this. And if you have not proved faithful in that which belongs to another, whether God or man, who will give to you that which is your own? God says, you got to learn first how to handle somebody else's stuff before I bless you with your stuff. Did you hear what I just said? Oh, I got to read it again. He said, and if you have proved faithful in that which belongs to another, right? Whether God or man, person say, I'm going to be faithful to God, but I ain't faithful to the people. Now, God said you got to be faithful to both. Because sometimes being faithful to God is being faithful to the man who's working for the Lord. Amen? Who's on a mission for God. Whatever that may look like. Could be your job, it could be your church, it could be whatever. He So he says, if you have not been proved faithful in that which belongs to another man, whether God or man, who will give to you that which is your own? That is the true riches. God said, I can't really promote you if you don't prove faithful. People want to be promoted by God, but he said, I ain't until you prove that you, remember what I said last week, and we, we had the example, I said, the things that I do now, I've, I've been doing them for 20 years. It's not a big switch. How I preach with the intensity that I preach with, the way that I care, the way that I work, I've been doing this. But the faithfulness get the promotion. Right? You hear a lot of people, they say, well, hey, what changed in you uh, uh, now that you're in, in this place in your life uh, as to where you were in the other place? The person, most of the time, they say nothing. They don't, they don't say nothing changed. Because it's the work ethic and the faithfulness that got them to the position where they are. It's the habit of being faithful. And he, now he says here, if you can't prove yourself faithful in somebody else's, and I told you, Man, all them nights I spent up, you know, uh, printing them newsletters. I, why do you keep saying about the newsletters? Because I never forget it. Going home with that ink underneath my fingernails and all upside of my face. Man asked me to print the newsletter. I don't know how to print, but I didn't tell him that. We just found somebody to help us do it. My, my mother-in-law was right there with me. She helped me learn how to print. She called her friend over there and, you know, papers jamming up and feeding through there. And it's a mess. Thank God for copy machines. That right, Russ? It's a mess. You know, I, I didn't even know how to use a weed eater when I started working for him at the church. But the, but the brothers would come by, Doc. The brothers come by. I'm sitting there with the weed eater, Lenny, on the curb. I done cut the grass. You know, y'all just ain't right until you weed eat. You just ain't right until you weed eat. So I'm sitting there with the weed eater on the curb. The brothers say, well, hey, you know, you know what you're doing? No, no. I done tow up. See that section? I did that over there. <laughs> Got lines like a design, like a haircut all up in the grass. Because I don't know what I'm doing with the weed eater. Brother come by and, 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 it, and, and sometimes it wasn't a spiritual brother. It's just a brother that know what, that know this task. And God sent him by and they say, look man, let me show you. Let me show you how to do it. So I got out there and you know what? I'm cold with a weed eater now. Because repetition is the motor of learning. That's how you learn. Through doing something over and over and over. See, if you, if you quit it when it's hard, you'll never get good at it. If you quit when it's hard, you never, that's the blessing of being faithful to something. So, so I never said that I couldn't do it. I always just asked God to bring somebody to me to show me how to do it. Right? So we want to, we, we have to be faithful. Faithfulness is important. And, and faithfulness is the portal to your blessing. If you want to be blessed by God, you have to learn how to be faithful. Now, we'll segue this over into this morning's message. 
And the title, which I have entitled, What is Wrong with Your Miracle? What's wrong with your miracle? You ever came over somebody's place and, and they had something and you just look at that thing and say, hmm, what's wrong with that? Whatever it is ain't doing what it's supposed to do. Right? You look at it and say, hmm, man, what's wrong with that? Sometimes people come by and look at your miracle and ask the same question. What's wrong with your miracle? Now let's turn to uh, First Kings, talking about being faithful. Now the people that we read about this morning, they got off to a rocky start in their faithfulness. Right? But they turned out all right. Because they, they, they did what was necessary to continue to be faithful. First Kings seventeen seven. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it through the, the next one I gotta read. I need some prayer for that one. I'm very emotional. First Kings seventeen, starting at verse seven. What's wrong with somebody? Ask your neighbor, what's wrong with your miracle? What's wrong with your miracle? Right? So 1 Kings 17, 7, it says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity this morning to speak and to share and to teach by all that have spoke, all that have shared, all that have taught. In Jesus' name, amen. And it came, uh, what verse I stop in? Uh, Oh, okay. Verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and went unto Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, though thee, somebody say thee, thee widow woman, was there gathering sticks, and he called unto her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm going to gather two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, and we may eat it and die. So his miracle had to be rescued on more than one occasion from the spirit of suicide. On more than one occasion from the spirit of suicide. What's wrong with your miracle? What miracle? For this miracle is that God said that this woman was going to sustain thee. But the other miracle is, this is the prophet of the most high God. Right? That's a miracle in itself. You got power and purpose and calling and position with God. And here you are, you don't have what you need. And God says the answer to what you have, you done strolled up on it. And, and you can't start the thing. Like a generator. We're about to have an outreach or a concert. We're going to plug into the generator. And you got three or four people out there trying to get that thing started. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I still got your generator in my truck. Right? <laughs> so you got three or four people pulling, trying to get the thing. So you ever been around a situation like that? And you, you know, this, this is needed. This is the heartbeat, the main part of what we're trying to get accomplished. And the thing won't work. Right? And so you got people out there, and they, everybody, three or four people trying to, remember we had that situation, trying to get that generator going. You understand? This say, what's wrong with your miracle? Same, same thing, same principle. Walk up on Elijah in his situation, look at it, and say, uh, I thought you said the Lord set you up over in Zeropath. This the woman right here? Doc, she's suicidal. You heard what she just said? She said she ain't got nothing. 
She might, maybe you miss God. Because your miracle don't look like you think it ought to look. You must have missed God. Yeah, this can't be your miracle right here. She messed up. Doc, you see that? Look like she ain't bathed in two or three days. Now I'm at living. Right? And she out here picking up sticks. I got to figure that one out. She's picking up sticks. I guess she's going to make fire with it. He said, she out here picking up sticks, looking bad, and she the one supposed to take care of you, and look like she needs somebody to take care of her. Welfare today, penthouse tomorrow. That's what, but you got to respect your miracle. You got to be willing to work with your miracle. See, when you come up on the generator, this is the heartbeat of what you're trying to do, and the generator don't work, <coughs> you can't give up on it. You got to work on that thing because this is the thing that God has given to you to power what you're trying to pull off. So we got to fix the generator. We can't say, oh, we canceled the old event because the generator not working. So Elijah must have had enough experience dealing with God that when he walked up on the situation and seen the woman, and let's look at his response. We don't, we don't even have to assume, we can read it. Right. And she said, as the Lord lived, or she told him what she ain't got, she told him, hey, look, I'm, I'm about to die. We ain't going to do no better. I, I basically, I give up. Right? And Elijah said, said unto her, fear not, go and do as thou hast said. He didn't even tell her, oh, don't, he didn't even tell her, don't, don't think about suicide, don't think about dying. He just said, hey, I hear what you're saying. Look, look here. Go do this. He says, uh, fear not, go as thou, do as thou hast said, but uh, make me a cake thereof first and bring it unto me and make it uh, for thee and uh, for thy son. For thus saith the Lord of God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that thou hast sent, the Lord sent it rain upon the earth. Okay, got a situation. Now we got a situation. Because what we have here in the natural is not lining up with what the word of God says. Everybody see that? What we have here in the natural is not coming together with what God said. He told the woman, he said, now the woman, now just put yourself there and watch the whole thing. You know, how, how, how would you, you know, look, I just told you I ain't got nothing, man. You want me to, and then you want me to give, now, at least I had a, uh, you know, another hour or two that I planned to live. You know, when they, when you go and they put the people lethal injection, they ask them what the last meal they want. They say, I want some blueberry pancakes, I want some eggs, and I want some bacon or something. This is the same type of situation. She, she about to lethal inject her own self, and she said, this is my last meal right here. And then he come and tell her, well, look, you can't even get that. Let me have it. Amen? Let me have it. And so, uh, uh, so just like the preacher wants your money, you know, and she said, it's all I got. And the preacher said, give it to me, right? So he goes over there, right? And he tells her, this is what the Lord said. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. She made the choice to look past her natural circumstances and obey the word of the Lord. Right? And she went and did according to the said of Elijah, and she and her all her house did eat many days. So what she thought she was fixing to run out, listen, who reigns supreme in this situation? Her circumstances are the word of the Lord. God's word reigns supreme in the situation. Her circumstances did not outweigh, could not take down, defeat God's word. And this is what we have to do. You have to understand that you have to honor and obey God's word over your circumstances. Right or wrong? I need, I ain't no amens in here today. I need one or two. Pastor Ben, somebody, they won't help me. 
They won't help me. I need to help. So, so listen. God's word outweighed the circumstances. But you have to pick it to, to choose to look and accept and believe what God's word says over your circumstances. Now, what will stop you from doing that? The way you were raised, the people that you're around, the habits that you've developed will stop you from trusting and believing what God said. Remember when I started off talking about this divine substance? That's why Elijah could go over that to the place. Where did Elijah just come from? Talking about his past. What did he just leave away from? He just left from a place to where God sent him with a brook of water and birds was bringing him, not twigs, they was bringing him steak. Birds were bringing him meat. That's what the scripture says. They was bringing him meat. He just left a miraculous place of provision. His past had experienced divine substance before. So when God tells him to go to this other place, he don't have a problem. He's like, I don't have a cent in my pocket. No how. God's taking care of me when I didn't have no money in the bank my whole life, the whole time I've been serving. So if he says to go over this is what, listen to me. He was faithful to God in the other situation. That's why he was able to step over here to this situation and be faithful and agree with God now. This wasn't something new. I'm used to miraculous provision. I'm used to not having a, not a cent in my pocket and show up and God pay the bill. So when he steps over here and sees the widow, not a widow, this is the one. That's why he didn't trip out when she started talking about how she ain't got no money. Oh, uh, look, I ain't got no money, chief. You know, what, whatever going to happen over here, uh, it's going to happen. I'm going to go and make this and the other. And, you know, uh, uh, you looking at me like I got some child, please. I ain't got nothing. Mr. Man, Mr. Preacher, no offerings here. So whatever she let us say, whatever she had to say. And he said, listen, uh, anybody ever seen that movie, Polly? With the bird, the little, little, little parrot bird? Who raise your hand if you've seen that movie, Polly, with that little bird? You remember the scene inside of the store when the woman went inside of there? And so the woman, she was asking about the bird and the pawn shop man, real funny man inside of there. And uh, uh, the pawn shop man says to her, uh, she was wanting to tell him about her dead husband and all this kind of stuff, this and the other. And the pawn shop man says to her, he says, yeah, 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 dead husband aside and all, are you pawning or are you selling? Basically what he was saying is, I, I don't want to hear all this big long story. What you coming here to do? You going to sell me something? You going to pawn something? Let's get to the business. That's what Elijah basically said to the woman. Yeah, 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 I hear everything you're saying, but go make me a cake first. Dismiss with all the other extra stuff, just go do what I ask you to do. Because the blessing is in the doing. The blessing is in the doing. Listen, your miracle, oh God, doc, come here, doc, just come stand up here. Because you got the substance, I don't even care, you don't need to say nothing, just stand right there. Listen, the blessing is in the doing. You remember what I said when you walk up on the miracle and the person say, what's wrong with your miracle? Right? My miracle might be messed up, but don't you ever forget that it's a miracle. Oh, in the miracle, there's power infused inside of the miracle. It might look like to you my miracle ain't working right now, but don't you ever get it wrong. This is a miracle. The miracle is infused with power. Do you understand that the same applies to you? 
person could walk up on you in a hard time and you're on your course with God and you're going through something and say, oh, man, it sure look like everything from the sink. It's going bad over there. No, don't get it twisted because I'm still a miracle. And the power is inside of the miracle. And it's, and it's, listen, the power, you hear me? Listen, Pastor Man, the power has the ability to explode at any moment. God can turn this around at any moment. And the power exploded when he got over there and he spoke the word. Thus saith the word. So listen, Doc. Come here, Brother Cooper. Help me out. Because I think he was over there with me that day, too. Or whatever, it's one of y'all too. But anyway, he helped me out a lot. So come on, come on, come on, Brother Cooper. So he, he come down and we got this generator that won't work. We got a generator that won't work. So you enlist the help of two people, right? And they come in and they working on the generator. They looking at the generator, trying to work on the generator. I need a generator. Where's the generator? generator. Right there. So they, they both are looking at the generator, trying to figure out what's wrong with the generator. Now listen. The purpose of the generator is to emit power. Now, right now, the generator is not starting. But the power, if we listen, if we can crank up that generator, it'll push out the power that we need to get the job done. But if we give up on the generator, now, uh, a friend of mine had a generator that wasn't doing right, and he brought it, he had it sitting up at the church, and Brother Cooper took the generator home and fixed it. And now he's using the generator. I got a torp generator over there that I need to get to him right now. He's using the generator. We're not going to give up on the generator because it's not, it's not starting right now. Because it's power inside the generator. Don't you ever forget that the miracle or the journey that God gave to you is power infused into it. If you just won't give up and you'll start the thing up, it, it'll work like it's supposed to work. When you, in your, in your marriage, God said, what two is put together, let no man put asunder. When in your marriage, God says, for this reason, shall you shall leave your father and your mother and cling unto your wife. I remember my friend told me that for the, fir- uh, the first time we was living with my mama. We didn't think we could, I didn't think I'd ever be able to afford to move. And we were living with my mama over there, and my friend told me, he said, man, you got to get out your mama's house. I said, what? He said, yeah, God promised he'll take care of you. I said, yeah, he did? He did? He said, yeah. He said, for you to move out your mama's house. That's a commandment from God, and so God ain't going to tell you to do something that he's not going to back up. It was power in the words. Right? So in your, in your marriage, God's provision is infused in your marriage once you got married. He got to take care of you if you do the right thing. Now, if you go out and y'all spend it all up, you know, on Christmas, that's your fault. But God got to take care of you, gave you a promise. For this reason shall you leave. You don't have to live with your folks. You can live by, by yourself. You can live by yourself. But you got to believe because there's power inside the promise. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Yeah, sit that away for me, Doc. Thank you. Power is inside of the promise. Don't you forget that there is power inside the promise that God made you. But let me tell you, circumstances will cause you to forget. Now, last thing I'm going to say this morning is that there are some people who don't give a rip about your miracle. They don't give a rip about your miracle. They don't care about your miracle. And so if you look to them... Uh, uh, and they don't support your miracle, and you say, well, you know, my miracle must not be worth a rip if they don't think it's worth a rip. But folks is crazy. Especially church folks are real crazy. I've always been real crazy. Think about it. Jesus was starting off, 
And the disciples had an argument about who was going to be the greatest in the church. This Bible. I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to be the greatest. One woman came and said, hey, look, Jesus, uh, you got these are my two boys here. And I think they're real handsome. Right. And they're good workers. And they, they, and they, and they, and they rolling with you, sir. They, they, they going along with you on the journey. Now, can you fix it? There, well, one of them sit on your right and one of them sit on your left. Now, that's crazy. So we, we don't we don't have no shortage of doing crazy stuff in, in the church house. Right. So understand something that people, everybody not going to celebrate your miracle. Watch this. This is a prime example of somebody not celebrating your miracle. Go to Luke chapter 8, verse 27. Luke 8, 27. You can't be upset because somebody won't celebrate your miracle. But what you do is you go find somebody that God will celebrate your miracle. Was that again, Luke? Luke 8, 27. God, I give up because they won't celebrate my miracle. Joker didn't celebrate some of the miracles Jesus was a part of here. Watch this. <clears throat> Luke 8, 27. And when he went forth to, uh, to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time. Now, it was enough that he had devils, but the Bible said he had them for a long time. There was enough that it just said he had them for five minutes, but he had them for a long time. And uh, uh, wear no clothes, so it just continued to get worse. Neither abode in the house. <clears throat> so he, he had devils, he had them for a long time, he's naked, and he's homeless. And he's living in the graveyard. That's a mess, right there. A man's in a mess. Anybody raise your hand if you think he's not in a mess? That's a mess. He got devils, got the devils for a long time, he's naked, he don't have no house, and he live in the graveyard. Lenny and his man is in a bad spot. Right? Now, now, how many of us would like to see that brother fixed up? At least a couple of things off of him, and we just get the devils off of him. You know what I mean? That's a start. And then let's put some clothes on him. We take him over to, uh, back on the rack and get some clothes on this brother. Right? Let's get the devils out of him. Let's get some clothes on him. Let's get him somewhere to stay. Understand? As we get him somewhere to stay, and, you know, we'll get him out the graveyard first. Right, and then get him somewhere to stay. It's, it's got levels to getting the man back to where he needs to be at. So the man need a lot of help. All of us would be glad just to see him get a little help. Amen. So when Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, "What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, Most High? Beseech thee, torment me not." Now this, now this ain't the man talking. This is his bondage talking. And a lot of times in life, you have to be able to distinguish when you're talking to somebody, which one you're talking to. And I'm not talking about no demonic manifestation necessarily. I'm talking about a person can be speaking from the flesh and not uh, wanting to produce the issue that's really going on. And this is what's going on. The devil's got control right now. Um, for he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oftentimes he caught him and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters and he break uh, the bands and was driven in the, uh, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, "What is thy name?" Now watch this. And he said, "Legion, because we are many devils." So he had devils. The devils were in there a long time, and now the, the story keeps unfolding. It was a whole bunch of devils in there. Man's in bad shape. Making a point of the man in bad shape, so we can get to the point. Uh, verse 
31. And they besought him that he would not command them to go, to go into the deep. And there was a herd of swine, of many swine feeding in the mountains, and they besought him that he would suffer them to go into them, and he suffered them. The, uh, then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, uh, and the herd ran violently down into a steep place in the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw that, uh, that what was done, they fled and went and told the city and the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man. Now listen, somebody saw, was watching this whole thing. Ooh, the Jesus, buddy, go back to the town. The Jesus man cast the devils out of the crazy dude that live in the graveyard. You know, the naked one, right? And they cast all the devils out of him. And the, de- the devils went, in, just some animated reporter, right? An animated person in the neighborhood. And the devils went over there and, and I saw the devils like this. And they went inside of the pigs and the pigs, they started making noise. And the pigs ran down the hill. That's a good story. That's a better story than just a basic. The pigs ran down the hill and they went into the water and the pigs went underneath the water. And I was standing there and I was thinking to myself, when they going to come back up? <laughs> right? But the pigs went underneath the water and the next thing I just started seeing was bubble, 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 bubble. All the pigs drowned. That's what happened over there. It was the Jesus man did it. Right? So then the people were like, you a fool. I'm going to go check it out for myself. So and they come over. They look at everything. They find out that the fool wasn't lying. He told the truth that the pigs is drowned and all of this here. And so watch what the people do here. Forget the man. When he saw Jesus, he cried out. And he fell down. Oh, what verse man? I lost my place. 34? 36? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then here you go. Then they went down to see what was done. They came to Jesus and found the man out of who came the devils departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now here you go. They're bending back on the rack. He got him some clothes on. And he's in his right mind. And they were afraid. So the man is straightened up. You would think everybody in the place, yay, praise God, yes, yes. No, they don't care nothing about his miracle. Right, verse 36. They also which uh, saw it told them by which the man was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country, the gatherings round about besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear and went up into the ship and returned back again. So the people wanted Jesus to leave. Jesus just did a miracle for this brother. But folks don't always care about your miracle. Folks aren't always happy for you and your miracle. So we're not going to put the value on our miracle based on what other people think about our miracle. Just because they won't shout hallelujah for what God's doing in your life don't mean that, that there's not great value on the miracle that God's done in your life. Because people can be crazy. And sometimes it's not that people are crazy. Sometimes people got their hands full with their own miracle. You ain't the only one who generated one start this morning. So you're thinking that they don't care about your miracle, but they over here pulling the string on their own generator. Man, yeah. Pastor Driver, Brother Cooper, they cell phones, uh, text message thing going off. Because other people want them to come help, they start to generate. You think your generator the only one with a problem. So maybe the people ain't celebrating with you because they generate a messed up. 
They just ain't got time to come over there and, and you know and be part of your miracle. Right? Anybody in here ever had a jacked up generator? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, somebody throwing stuff back there, they so excited. But but just because somebody won't rejoice with you over your miracle, now and understand what we went over this morning, your miracle will present itself with problems. Sometimes they won't don't want to start. But if you don't remember nothing else I said this morning, understand and remember this. Even though that miracle won't start, there's power inside of that thing. Oh man, you just got to keep pulling that string. Maybe turn a couple of bolts. Sometimes the miracle needs some oil. It's out of oil. Put some oil in that miracle. Once the thing start up, it's got the ability to produce power. But when but we get lost looking at our miracle, and we want to throw it away because it won't start. How many people are missing out on what God's given them because it looks like a bunch of problems? The woman, the widow woman, had the provision that God said she had. But when on first look, it looked like a bunch of problems. I remember when God was, was, uh, was talking to me when he first started telling me, he said, listen, I'm going to have you go and pastor a church. I remember all these conversations sitting on my bed with God. And so when we made a trip up to New York, went to the place and I told you, that, you know, I thought I'm, I'm leaving urban ministry. I'm not doing no more urban ministry right across the street from the projects. Nice building, three floors. They had 10 members. And I was like, OK, we're going to go do it. I've done it before. Right. I had to support about 14 pastors. They were going to pay all my bills and everything. So I can basically restart this church. And we had plans over there, some other entrepreneurial things we we're going to do. But I know at the time, the Lord, uh, after the Lord brought me here, the Lord said, if I would let you go to New York, you would have died over there. Like, because you didn't have the strength. You didn't have no more gas in the tank. For that, not that. So then, but when we came here, there was still not perfect conditions over here. But the Lord understood. He said, this is a guy that's willing to deal with un, uh, unfavorable circumstances. I'll, I'll, I'll take a generator that won't start. And we'll, 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 and that's what we're doing right now. Been a long way trying to get the, get the thing started. But I just keep pulling on it. Right? So now we, we, we get, I believe we, the generator started, but it's got a little, it's missing. Yeah, I need a tune up on the mirror. But but listen, you're gonna you're gonna constantly listen. Forget that. Let me stop this. How many of you? And I want, then you gotta ask yourself this question: How many of you in your life right now that God's got stuff in your face 